Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. I like P-E-R. I'll explain in a second. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max is presented by Progressive Insurance. Coming to you live from above the Heineken River Deck at Pier 17. Chris Canty sitting in for Key today. Good Yo, morning, guys. Good morning. What's what up, baby? What's happening? What a, what a night last night. What in a the night. NBA. What a night. Well, y'all can say that. I'm a Lakers well, fan, so. Well, if you're a fan of the overall game of basketball. I got yeah. you. Yeah. Canty, I, I got feel, you. I feel you like have I'm, nowhere to go but down. But I feel here's like. the thing. I feel like I'm a masochist because I sit there and watch every single Lakers game. From, you're committed. From, from tip to the final horn. Canty. Like, I don't know why I do it to myself. Mm. Canty, I got you. I'm in the same boat as you. Grew up, born in the Bronx, grew up in New York, was doing afternoon drive in L.A. for six years before. I left for L.A. I had to think. I'm not trying to listen to a dude on the radio in L.A. who doesn't root for the local team. I'm not giving up my Yankees. There was no conflict because yep. Dodgers are NL. Yep. Not giving up my Giants. There was no NFL team at the time. Can I give up my Knicks for the Lakers? Thought about it for about a day, and I thought, what am I even thinking about? I've always been a Lakers fan secretly. I always wanted the Knicks to be like the Lakers. See you later, Dolan, right? Let me tell you something. For a Lakers fan, wherever you are, in L.A. or otherwise, they fell down 13-4, to Doncic getting uncontested layups and stuff. Turn it off. Put on winning time. <laughs> Put on winning time. That's the, that's the, that's the, the HBO show. It is so good if it, you're a Lakers fan. It's outstanding, Max. It's so good that I can't wait until Monday or Tuesday to watch it. I got to watch it on Sunday night when it debuts. That's how good it is because that's the only thing that I can hold my head up about. That's what I did last night. See, see, that's the thing, Max. Now I'm starting to question your Laker fandom because – because you turn the game off. But the, How can you turn it off? Your team is playing. They How gave you turn up 80, it off? 82 points in the first half. I, still, I, I wanna, but, you know what? It's you know what it is, Jay. I want to watch just to see if the lows that I've experienced this season can get any lower. So like, but can, they're about can, to. Can, can they? And, 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 can they actually they're about get to. Any lower? And by the way, it's not just about watching winning time. It's the fact that when Magic Johnson comes on the show, I can't wait for that conversation. Oh my God, Magic. What's real and what isn't real? Yeah. Take me through the emotional roller coaster ride because I know you're not happy about so, it. So, guys, the reason I started saying I like PER, let me explain. I don't think it's an end-all, be-all stat, right? Like QBR in the, NBA, in the NFL for quarterbacks, the ESPN stat. We made it up and we figured it out. Let me tell you what I like about it, though. It's when people use in baseball like batting average. Well, there are better stats to use, right, That like OPS. It's on-base plus slug. Mm-hmm. People in basketball, what's his points, rebounds, and assists? That doesn't really tell you percentages and stuff. PER, it's not exactly this, but it's mainly, takes all the stats that people usually use. It factors in rates, like but what percentage are they all doing this in, and gives you a number, yeah. right? So it's a pretty good, quick little sketch of how good a dude is. Yeah, kind of like QBR in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, yeah same, mm-hmm. like, right, okay. So PER, at least offensively. Giannis was killing the game. He won back-to-back MVPs. Jokic set like the highest one ever last year, won the MVP. Pretty good correlation with how good they are, right? It's been Jokic and Embiid all year this year, and they're co-favorites to win the MVP. But Giannis actually right now is right behind 
Jokic. He's on his heels. He's a little ahead of Embiid in his PER, right? Now, they already gave him two. He just won finals MVP. There's some fatigue there. Guys, he blocked Embiid. He outplayed Embiid and blocked his shot at the end of the game last night to preserve the win. It was the winning play of the game. You know what I think he just did? Mm. I'm not saying they're going to give it to Giannis. It's going to be hard to give Embiid the MVP now over Jokic. Giannis may just have blocked Embiid's MVP chances and handed them to Jokic, Jay. So I have Jokic number one. I had him number one before. Didn't have Joel Embiid number one. I had Joel Embiid two. I had Giannis three. Right now, I have Jokic one. After last night, I have Giannis two. And I have Joel Embiid three. Now, here's what's going to be interesting. When you think about Joel Embiid has an easier schedule down the stretch. They play Detroit twice. They play Indiana twice. Uh, they play against Toronto. That, that's, that'll be a tough game in Cleveland. But the Bucks played the Nets. They play the Nets tomorrow night. Mm. They play Boston. They play Dallas. They play Chicago. They play the Clippers. They play Cleveland. All these teams in the Eastern Conference, the top four teams, a game and a half within each other mm-hmm. for a race, for seeding. So guys are going to play down the stretch. What a treat that is for us. So I think Giannis has a chance to win this thing when it's all said and Over done. Over Jokic? I, I, depending upon how they play down the stretch against the schedule, he's going against KD. Think about games featured. Tomorrow night's going to be a feature-like night. Yep. It's KD and Giannis. How Giannis comes out on top of that. Boston, feature night. Luka Doncic. Feature night, Chicago and the Bulls. Feature night, Clippers, Paul George coming back. Will Kawhi Leonard come back? Feature night. He convinced me, Chris, he convinced me. There are too many marquee matchups down the stretch where if Giannis balls out, he could actually not just stop Embiid, but leapfrog Jokic. And then there's this, guys. Embiid has a big personality. He's he's great. You know, you ever play fantasy sports – and and like yeah, got it. and you look at the names of the teams. Maybe you don't know everyone in your league. You see the really funny, smart name. You're like, that dude's gonna be good because mm-hmm. like he's smart. Embiid from the moment he got on Twitter, right? Like what was it? It's great. It, it, was, it was great. It was uh, sources. Rihanna. Like he has he shot a shot at Rihanna. Thought, yeah, yeah was I was like, yo, this dude is smart. Yeah. He's just he's uh, Jokic is not a big personality, but he's a likable guy. Giannis. Is it has a star's personality. This is after the game, after the Bucks game. They just win. He blocks Embiid to preserve the win, and the first thing he does is this. Let's open up with a joke. Um, what do you call a cow on the floor? Anybody know? Ground beef. <laughs> Uh, I, I wonder, wait, 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 wait. I, I really wonder what Mike Tomlin thinks about that joke. <laughs> he, he loves it, Jay. But, he get, it. but it's a book of dad jokes. Chris, oh, Jay, man. he brings up a book of dad jokes to the podium and tells a bad joke to start the, the thing. He has the kind of personality that's easy for voters to vote for for MVP, especially if his team is in crack. Oh, they're, they're just out of first place right now. Yep. And he's beating guys down the stretch, like Jay said. He's the most likable out of the three. Yeah, I think they're all likable. Like, yeah. I think they're all, but I, he's the most likable out of yeah, the three. He, yeah, he certainly is. Like Jokic had that moment with the Mars twin earlier in the year. Yeah, like, and then Joel had that moment, look. obviously with Joel, Ben Simmons. Joel, Joel has the yep. dust ups. Yeah, Giannis is clearly the more likable, and for the NBA, Giannis is great for their business on so many different levels. All that being said, Jay, I don't think that Giannis is going to win the MVP. I just don't because his supporting cast is so much better than what Jokic has or what Embiid has. And if you look at last night's game, 
You know, I feel a way about the sequence that last set that Doc Rivers had those guys in because you had a pick and roll situation. James Harden got the switch with Brooke Lopez. I don't know why James Harden settles for a step back three when you have the potential to blow past him, collapse the defense, and kick to Joel for an open shot. Like, Joel Embiid is sitting there ready to play the hero. Harden's fat nowadays, and, man. And, and, he's, got, yet, he's got to get in a little better no, shape, I think. But you, but you, can't, be, you can't go past Brooke Lopez? Yeah, he could. That, that's the problem. Um, no, no, I could. mean, and you saw Joel spotting up for that. So that's a situation where it could have went a different way, and we could be having a different storyline, a different narrative today. But I think the drama early on in the season with Ben Simmons actually plays in Joel Embiid's Real favor. quick, real quick. The MVP, last three, Giannis, Giannis, Jokic. This year it's either going to be Giannis, Jokic, or Embiid. Big, 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 big. right? The best player in the game who hasn't been in it because he hasn't been healthy enough is seven feet tall, Kevin Durant. Yo, we are in a golden era of what once upon a time we call bigs. This is as good as it's ever been. They're so skilled, Max. That's it's the insane. Thing. They're all avatars like, out there. I don't even them bigs. Right, yeah. Because yeah. well, they're big. Think about how skilled Jokic is. That's my thing. In my old mind, when I hear bigs, I think Shaq. Like, I, I don't think Dirk. Well, Shaq has talked about he wishes he could have been allowed to play like Giannis when he was, you know. He, NBA is on ESPN Radio. Tune in tonight as the Warriors host the Suns, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 9.30 Eastern on most ESPN radio stations. An MVP voter on how much personality matters. That's next. Keyshawn J. Willemax, ESPN Radio, ESPN2. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome. So you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Get to the Lakers in a second. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80, your smart speakers. Chris Canty in for Key today. We're going to get to the Lakers in a second, but we had this conversation in the last segment I'm just geeking out on still about MVP. And we happen to have an MVP voter walking around. Seaport is like those this old, uh, this is Sports Center commercials. Those old commercials, like you just walk into, hey, we're talking, oh, there's an MVP voter. So that's really impressive to be an MVP voter. Brian Windhorst with us now, (laughs) giving the straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. So we're talking about, I said, like Giannis blocking Embiid's shot to win the game. You know, it's Giannis got two and then he got the, the finals MVP. Jokic got the last MVP. Sometimes there's fatigue with a guy who gets it too much. But it's all year it's been Giannis Jokic. Giannis Jokic. Uh, sorry, excuse me. Embiid Jokic. Embiid Jokic. Giannis is right there with those guys. Yeah. And the image of him winning that game, right, I think maybe could vault him over Embiid. In addition to that, 
Giannis has a winning personality. Not that Jokic doesn't, and certainly Embiid has a very interesting big personality, but Giannis maybe is the easiest guy to root for. How much does that affect MVP votes, do you think, Wendy? Mm, this year, not that much. So we have to decide here. Do you want to have a conversation about who should win the MVP, like your theory on it, or do you want to have a conversation about what the race really is? I want to have a conversation about what you think as wait, a okay, voter. Wait, what is the race? What, 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 where is yeah, the race? Break this down well, for me. So yesterday, In your mind. Yeah, well, you just totally overruled Max, but it's okay. Yesterday, ESPN came out with, we do this three times a year. I say we, it's Tim Bontemps, my colleague at ESPN. He goes and actually polls the voters. He doesn't poll 10 voters. He polls 100 voters. Probably, my guess would be 75 or 80 of them actually are going to have a vote because you never know for sure until mm-hmm. the email comes in, which I got, I think, on Monday this week. Or Monday or Sunday, I got the email that I'm going to vote. And he, he polls, just to, just to give you the methodology, he polls because the, M, the, the NBA doesn't just let 50 people in New York vote for it. They let people in all 30 markets they let people from overseas, they let some broadcasters, they let some writers, they let some radio people. That's what he does. He asks all of them. Now, he didn't ask Green. Greeny's getting a vote this year. Greeny hadn't gotten a vote ever. Mm-hmm. He didn't ask Greeny. Now, now Fortel asked Greeny. So this is the actual voters. This is not a selection of the voters. This is the poll. And the poll says Jokic by a relative wide margin. Mm-hmm. And that was news because Jokic had passed Embiid from the last time we did this um, about – two months and a half ago. Now, the vote isn't today, so obviously what Giannis did last night can affect it. It's not saying it, but like, I'm listening to people saying, like, well, you know, Luca and John. I'm like, guys, nowhere near. Like, the actual, like, if Vegas but Wendy, wants what to- you're talking about is very interesting, and I'm glad I was overruled because it, it helps illuminate the process for, for me and for everyone listening. But what I'm asking about now is you, yeah. Brian Windhorst, as an MVP voter, how much in a very tight race does a signature moment like a block on a guy to win, to preserve the win? Jay mentions they have some big matchups coming up, the Bucks do, winning down the stretch. And then having the kind of personality that you might think, I'd love to be in a locker room with that guy. In a very close race like this, does that affect your vote? Not in an individual game would probably not affect my vote. Um, I will say this. Sometimes the storyline affects it. And what I mean by that is the year that Westbrook won the MVP, not only did he have the triple doubles that he, that he was getting that year, but he, it was a bleep you season coming back from Durant mm-hmm. and carrying that team into the playoffs. I think they ended up being the sixth seed. Mm-hmm. And late in the season, they went on a run. There was this moment late in the season, I'll never forget this, they're playing in Denver Westbrook gets a triple-double that I think guaranteed him averaging the triple-double for the year, and he hit like a 40-footer to win the game. The game eliminated the Nuggets from the playoffs, and the crowd in Denver gave him a standing ovation because they had seen something otherworldly. I still remember that moment, Russell whatever Westbrook it was. making a jump shot? Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would remember that too. It's I couldn't help myself. I'm so Last sorry. jump shot he hit. It was just right there, Wendy. It was easy. It was easy. I agree. It was a layup. Um, I like a moment like that, that. That kind of narrative is powerful. It doesn't happen that way every year. But I also will tell you this, and this is just human nature. Once you've won an MVP, or if you've won two, the bar becomes higher. This happened with LeBron. Like uh, LeBron, and with Michael. Won, yeah. Yeah. LeBron won four MVPs in five years. 
And I think I voted for him. I think I gave him my first place vote in something like seven out of eight years there in Cle- in his Cleveland Miami years. But Le- basically, the voters got tired of voting for LeBron. And he wasn't just competing against the other guys in the award. He was competing against himself from previous years. Mm-hmm. And that's what Giannis is at right now. Jay mentioned the Lakers and Russell Westbrook. They lose to the Mavs. They trailed by 37 at one point. They gave up 82 and a half when it was 13 to four. And Luka went in for those easy layups. I put on winning time as a Lakers fan. I was like, I just want to remember something good about the Lakers. Had a great time, by the way. Anyway, Westbrook was asked after the game, Wendy, what he would change. He responded this way. What do you think should change? Winning. Okay, that's obvious. What do you think should change? Winning. Winning games, playing hard. Mm-hmm. You asked a question, I gave you an answer. That's fine. You got to answer the winning? Hi. You have to answer the winning? I'm not out there playing. Maybe I think I'm. You give me the answer, but you think you're <laughs> Exactly. So, well, I don't have the answer. You know, I, exactly. If exactly. you don't have it, you out there, so I can't have it. Me, you, you ask me to have an answer, you don't have it either. Well, maybe. but I don't play, Russell. If you, I want to get the information from you so that I can I'm give it to one you person, champ. Right. It's a team okay. game. Right. So, I don't, I don't have an answer. Okay. I may have it. I but, don't have it. It's all good. But I'm asking the pros who know the game, play the game, yeah, yeah. what you guys, what you think you can do to make it. Your point, their point, everybody's point. That's what I'm asking. No, I respect that. Wendy, that is Russell Westbrook being kind of like trying to turn it around on the media member. And then the media member saying, well, no, not so fast. What's your impression of how Westbrook's handling himself here? He basically is saying, I don't have any answers. You know, he's he's asked to sit there after every game and say the same thing now. He does, I mean, he's honest. He's just being honest. He's like, what's the answer? I don't know what the answer is. You tell me the answer. And, um, you know, the guy he was talking with has covered the team for 25 years. He's very well-respected, and they were fine after that. But the Lakers' situation right now is, I mean, I don't want to use the word hopeless because they're going to get AD back on the next week, and that could potentially be a bit of a game-changer, but it's not going to change their overall situation. And him saying that is just clear that he doesn't have an answer, and I think in, in a weird way he was just being honest. See, I, I feel like Russell Westbrook is really, really frustrated. And I was trying to tell the guys before, Wendy, I don't look at Russell Westbrook as a LeBron James-type leader. And when you're part of a losing organization, like the Lakers are right now. Like, let's be honest about it. Like, the, the, the culture doesn't seem as well together as it should be. And that's due for, you know, a numerous amount of things. But, like, when you lose night in and night out and you're forced to answer a lot of these questions, once again, not making excuses for him. Like, but I look at him as a – Hired assassin, a hired gun, not a guy to, you know, lead our moral compass about where we're going with the team. And you just tell us spilling over for him. Yes, and I, I actually think in the last month he's played his best basketball of the year. I mean, it's qualified, you know, but he's reduced his turnovers. They're still high. But if you look at his numbers from, like, November, December, he's playing a lot better. He's handling the ball less. He's He's been willing to give up some of the ball because he realizes that him handling the ball so much isn't working. He's actually made some changes that are positive, but the the hole was so deep, and he is – you know, the thing about it is it's not just Westbrook's play. It's Westbrook's play combined with the fact that the players they traded away from them eroded the rest of the roster. Mm-hmm. So it's a combined that. And so you could, you could probably say, well, it's not Russ's fault. He didn't trade for himself. Um, why should it be his fault that they – you know, mangle the way the rest of the roster was handled. But then I would say, but it was Russ who saw them about to do another deal, picked up the phone and called LeBron and said, hey, get me there. So 
you know, it's a it, there's nuance in all of it. I actually kind of look at Russ, as, you know, for the first time all year, I've kind of felt sympathy for him because mm-hmm. he's been a non-sympathetic figure for most of this year. Like he's out there banging the side of the backboard, throwing the ball into the fifth row, and like you know, sh- you know, grimacing the whole way through, and like you don't feel sorry for him. He was so frustrated with the lack of empathy for him that he brought his family into it and said, I, I'm being really tired of being called Westbrook, Westbrook, um, and it's really upsetting my, my wife and son. Now, those are sympathetic figures. But the reason he did that was because his complaints weren't being You know regarded. what's so funny? You bring that up, guys. When Mike Tyson and Roy Jones had their, whatever you want to call it, exhibition last year, two years ago, mm-hmm. I think it was on Versus, something like that. Um, after the fight, everyone was like, oh, Roy, you did great, and oh, was it scary? And Mike comes up and goes, and he's 50-something years old now. He goes, why doesn't anyone care about me? I'm 50-something. This dude has been fighting more recently than me. Like, I've always compared Westbrook to Mike because ding, ding, the dude is coming at you full force. That's very interesting to me, guys, that Westbrook's like, yo, there's no like sympathy or empathy for, for this dude, it feels like. I, I, I hear you. Well, Westbrook is getting paid $44 million this season. He's got a player option for 47, so I'm not really concerned about his feelings as a Lakers exactly. fan right now. That, he has, that is exactly what people feel. Exactly. Yeah, so spinning this thing forward, Wendy, and looking at the Lakers' upcoming schedule, I mean, well, remaining schedule, they've got five games against teams that are 10 games over 500 or better, and yeah. you look at the teams they're in competition with, I think the Pelicans have two such games, and then the Spurs have three such games. So – is there a real possibility that we could be talking about the Lakers being on the outside looking in when it comes to the play-in tournament? Yeah, because I don't think LeBron's going to play tomorrow in Utah, and I don't think AD is going to play tomorrow. I think AD might be coming back this weekend when they go back home. The Spurs' next two, game are, next two games are at home against the Trailblazers, who are putting tanking to an art. Mm-hmm. The other night, I mean, I don't know why anybody here would have cared pay attention to this, but Portland played Oklahoma City in the tank off, there were 19 <laughs> players on the injury list for that game. Tank 19. Off. Like half of them had tendinopathy. I was like, oh, my God. The NBA <laughs> ought, to, ought to scramble a team of doctors. <laughs> tendinopathy is, is contagious from knee to knee. Um, that's who's playing in San Antonio. they wearing next... masks around their knees when they Absolutely. come to practice. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned. That's who's playing in San Antonio the next two games. By the way, they played in Portland last week, and I think San Antonio won by 30. So look, San Antonio's a flawed team. They got the same record as the Lakers. I'm not sitting here handing them wins. But by the time LeBron and AD, you know, LeBron comes back and AD comes back, they could be another game or two behind because of what just the next few days are. Mm, mm, mm. As a Lakers fan, Chris Canty, let me tell you something. Ahead of time, you're going to get LeBron, you're going to get AD, and you're going to win a championship, but you're going to be this bad three years in. I sign up for it. To, for the championship, Lakers fans would have to sign up for it. Yeah, I take it, Max, but uh-huh. it still doesn't make you feel in, yeah. better about the chalk outline that is the 2021-2022 season. Mm-hmm. It makes me feel a little better about it. It's not true. No, yeah, it, it doesn't. Does. It yeah, it does. Doesn't. It a little better. I'm trying to make people feel when better. LeBron, Stop bringing when everyone LeBron down. came to the Lakers and then they traded for AD, I was thinking championships, me not too. just one championship. But I'll take one. Of course you'll take one. What happened one. was LeBron came to L.A. to live a great life, and he is. And then they got AD and they won. And they were like, it's like, wait a minute, I can live a great life and maybe win a couple more. That's what happened. Live the paradigm shift. So no chance he leaves, Wendy? I don't, th- I don't, I don't think he I, – I mean, I think he could leave in a couple years to go play with his son. 
Uh, I think that's possible. I think he loves living in L.A. Sitting on top of the house, having a glass of wine, Shiraz. Once you're in L.A., it's hard to live. live. (laughs) 100%. I lived there. They brought me back kicking and screaming. I was like, you know, I'm good, man. I don't want to go anywhere. I get it. Brian Windhorst, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Thanks, Wendy. Appreciate it. Appreciate you, Wendy. Keyshawn Keyshawn J. Willemax, presented by Progressive Insurance. Jay says... He can't wait until he gets to talk to Magic Johnson again. Jay, you're going to have your chance Monday morning, mm. 9 a.m. right here on KJM. Will Coach K add another chapter to his masterpiece? Oh, I'm nervous. Along, you know, like while we're on the subject of stuff, Jay Will knows a little something about. Keyshawn, Jay Willemax, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80, your smart speakers, Chris Canty in for Key today. By the way, we've been asking uh, – 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. What would you give up for Lamar Jackson? A lot of teams need quarterbacks. What would you give up for Lamar Jackson? And I don't want to hear about your firstborn. Like, what would you give up football-wise what do for you Lamar want? Jackson? That's the question, Max. What do you want? <laughs> um, so Mike Krzyzewski was talking to Marty Smith. Jay, Mike Krzyzewski is the coach of uh, Do you know Duke. how to spell his name? Uh, no. Yeah, okay. I wouldn't even try right now. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's, uh-huh. he's affectionately... He's a he's affectionately I know how known. To spell it. W I N. Yeah, No, I mean, it. like, let's be realistic. It's K R Z Y Z E W S K I. Gotta learn that. All right, look. Way to read. He's known as Coach K affectionately by people, Jay Will. In case you were wondering, so here he is talking about facing UNC for the first time ever in the tournament, and it's in the Final Four, and it's in his final season. Well, the basketball gods put two very deserving programs there because both of us. Uh, played well in four games to get here. This is not somebody putting you here. It's somebody earning or earning the opportunity. And uh, I think this will be my 98th game that I've coached against North, North Carolina. And, uh, you know, Roy Williams and I, uh, uh, before Hubert took over this year, we, we often remarked how lucky we were uh, to be the coaches of, of Duke and North Carolina because uh, we... Uh, what people have done before us, players and coaches, have really elevated this uh, rivalry to such a high level. And to do it on this stage is uh, uh, pretty cool, really. Jay, he's talking about two diver- deserving programs in terms of like, in terms of like the way they've played. He's not saying, hey, we're blue bloods, therefore we deserve. He's saying we played the right way. And I go back in my mind to when Duke was beaten, right? And you were there for that game. And it was like, ooh, that's a bad loss to take against a rival. And they'd never met in the tournament. And But the way he came out, Coach K came out after that game, some people criticized him for because he didn't. he just didn't like the way they played. And yet, maybe you could look at that as a turning point. And even the way he approaches it, like the process is important and doesn't deviate from that, even though it's his final season, did that help lead to this moment now? Yes, and for people out there to say, oh, you know, the other day I said, this is going to be the biggest game in college basketball history. And I gave all my reasons why, right? These two teams who are the biggest rivalry in sports have never met in the NCAA tournament. Coach K's 
last time he's going to ever play them in the Final Four is last season. And people say, well, they're an eight seed. I'm like, okay, look, take all this seeding stuff, throw it out the damn window. It's never mattered in this rivalry. There will be some seasons in which North Carolina wouldn't even be ranked and it would still beat Duke or vice versa because it means something so much more. Speaking of it meaning something so much more, somebody who has a lot more insight to Coach K and how we rolled at Duke, Max? Ian O'Connor, author of Coach K, The Rise and Reign of Mike Krzyzewski. Ian, welcome to the show. Good morning. You've been with this Duke team for the past four NCAA tournament games. What do you think it's meant to Coach K to have a run like this in his last dance? Yeah, it's pretty uh, ridiculous, guys. I, I don't know if Jay agrees with this, but I see a joy on his face and his expressions and his voice that I don't remember seeing before. And it's uh, it's actually pretty refreshing to see. And, and to have this kind of journey as his last journey is, is pretty amazing. I don't think anyone who was there in South Carolina when when we watched Michigan State, the final five minutes of that game, down five, really thought Duke could win that game. Just look at some of the ways that they handle tense endgame situations during the regular season. And I don't know. I, I was surprised. I think a lot of people in the building were surprised who had seen Duke at least 30 times during the course of the season like I had. And I think Coach K was surprised. I know he would never admit that for public consumption. But just given the way he reacted after that game, it almost seemed like he didn't realize that his team had that in them and, of course, that breakthrough has led to where they are right now. Ian, I always find it funny because I've known Coach K on an intimate, personal level for a very long time, since I've been 16 years old. And he is a very intense personality. He strives for excellence at everything he does. And that comes with him pushing you each and every day to be better. I'm curious, when you hear people that would criticize Coach K about after the Duke-North Carolina game, about how he treated – was that – revealing or shocking to you seeing him talk that way or was that for you who spent four years with him oh that's just who coach k is and people are finally getting a chance to see the real side of it yeah and i think you probably saw that too uh, during your time there jay and and obviously i i look at an incident like with chris carwell after he broke a play against st john's that was my was freshman year and in- that's my freshman year right right and yep. so Right. I, I talked to so many players who said that they'd never seen a, a a player berated like that after a game in a locker room. Chris Carwell now an associate head coach at Duke. So he's come full cycle, sort of speak. And, and I think that Coach K behind closed doors in practices still has a fair amount of Bobby Knight in him. Now that approach has been tempered over the years. He's 75 now. So I think that's changed. But I don't think I think that was a, a part of Coach K that America didn't know existed uh, and behind closed doors. So he can get in your face. He could say some very tough and degrading things. I think the difference between him and Bob Knight over the years was Knight would cross the line of acceptable coach player conduct. Mike would go up to the line and maybe not necessarily cross it. I think in the case of, say, Chris Carwell, he did. And I know you had a, a pretty heated exchange with him after a Virginia game on the road. I, I do think confrontation, when you're every day, when you're challenging people, confrontation is part of growth. Uh, I don't know if you see it the same way, but I think in 98% of the cases, that's what happened inside the Duke program. I think there, there was a time or two where Coach K went too far, and I would say in the Carowell case he did, and maybe in your case as well. Yeah, can you get into that a little bit, Ian? What about, the, like, you know, immediately, our ears ago, hey, what happened with Jay? Let's get into that whole thing. <laughs> but please, get into it. Why did, how did he go too far in the situation with Jay Will? 
Well, as, as I understand it, Jay, he thought Jay already had one eye on the NBA. And so we're talking about the season after Jay wins a national title. And there's a confrontation in the locker room after the Virginia game on the road. And it gets heated. And Reggie Love, who was a teammate at the time, told me, now he later became an aide to Barack Obama in the White House. And he said he witnessed a an, an argument at Reagan National on the tarmac between Obama and Hillary Clinton that was very awkward when they were both candidates for the Democratic nomination. And he said it reminded him of that, that the confrontation was heated, awkward. People in the locker room didn't know what to do with it. And I don't know if, if Jay feels that there was some growth that came out of that. Maybe, maybe not. But that could have been a case where Coach K, in challenging people every day, every hour of every day, just went too far with one of the best players he ever had. How do you see Ian, that? Jay? Yeah, did he go too far? It was it was one it was one of those situations, Ian, where look when when you are constantly being pushed and being pushed and being pushed, and I had made a decision, frankly, to not go to the NBA, to come back and to play another year. So for me, in that moment when I decided to pass up a shot to give the ball to Mike Dunleavy, and coach comes at me that way, uh, you know, I, I had a Will Ferrell old school like moment where he's at the podium and he, like, what the hell did I just say? Because I found myself up standing over the top of him, hitting my fist, approaching him, almost ready to fight. But I will tell you what that did for me. It was the first time I learned that it was up to me to lead our team. I knew I had to lead our team, but in that moment, he designed to play for me. I decided to pass and. In a way, he was telling me, no, you taking a challenge shot is better than somebody else taking an open shot because this is what I expect from you. And almost in a way, I turned that down, but I never had that responsibility before because I'd never been challenged that way. So, look, I, I think through any wins and losses in a season, ups and downs, you get faced with some adversity and how you deal with that, how you respond to that, determines where your team's altitude Chris, was, is, and that was a prime example. That is so – Chris Canty and Frakita down, Keyshawn G. Will and Max, Ian O'Connor – author of Coach K, The Rise and Reign of Mike Krzyzewski with us. That's so interesting to me because when you think about what that conflict's about, here's a great coach telling a great player, I need you to try to score even when it's contested, which a lot of players do too often, right? Yeah. And the player not having been challenged like that, like they're almost fighting each other, but it's, but it's because they think a lot of each other, you know, like because coach thinks so much of the player. Well, sure, yeah. I mean, Jay probably wants to make the best basketball play in that moment where Coach K is saying, you're my best player. I need you to make a play for your team. So I can understand the push and pull that would happen between the two. But, Ian, I want to ask you this because you're very familiar with Coach K's 40-plus years at Duke. And I, and I wanted to know, what is this, this next chapter in the Duke-UNC rivalry this final four matchup that we're in, we're anticipating this weekend. What is that going to do in terms of you know Coach K's legacy, but overall um, the rivalry between the two Tobacco Road teams? What what is what is this new installment of Duke Carolina them meeting the first time in the NCAA tournament in the final four for a chance to compete for a championship? Well, well, Chris, I, I agree with Jay. I think it probably is the the biggest game in the history of the sport. And it means everything. Now, when the Yankees lost to the Red Sox in 2004 in an historic series, up 3-0 and lose that ALCS, I was there for that. And the difference is, and obviously that's a blood rivalry as well, but Yankees fans don't live six to eight miles away from Red Sox fans. So when you lose a game of this magnitude, you literally live with the winning fan base if you're on the losing side every day in grocery stores, in schools, in banks, wherever. So, so this is a titanic 
uh, matchup with titanic consequences for the loser. There's no question about it. Now, if you're Coach K, what you say is, well, to yourself, maybe, certainly not publicly, if I lose this game, I still have the same amount of national championships as Dean Smith and Roy Williams combined. I still have a winning record, not by much, against North Carolina in my career. And really, his legacy to me, he is slightly ahead of John Wooden as the the greatest coach of all time. Yeah. So is it really going to impact his legacy? I would say no, that's intact. But there are severe consequences here for the loser. There's no question about it. Ian, I really appreciate the insight that you provide on Duke, but could you never come on my show again before the biggest game in the history of college basketball and wear a Carolina blue shirt? Can you not <laughs> do that to me, Ian? Please. You're promoting was, a Duke book. That was not planned. <laughs> You're promoting a book I, I on know, Duke, but- Ian. I think my wife put out this shirt. So oh, I'm she's sabotaging you. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Connor, ladies and gentlemen, the book is Coach K, The Rise and Reign of Mike Krzyzewski. Thanks, Ian. Appreciate Thanks, Ian. You. Appreciate you, man. Thanks, guys. How many yeah. teams have the guy and how many teams don't? We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. The Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max Podcast. Real or Not Real is brought to you by Granger with supplies and solutions for every industry. Granger is always there to help. Call, click, Granger.com or just stop by Evan. I heard real or not real. What do we got? Yeah, so you said something interesting the other day about the Giants are like kind of squinting. Yeah. To try and make themselves <laughs> believe that they yeah. have the quarterback. Daniel Jones, Jones kind of looks Jones. like a quarterback. Under, under the right light, if I dim it a little bit, <laughs> yeah. maybe hey, I got my guy. Dimming the lights makes everything different. So, hey. real Stop. or not real? <laughs> That's too real. That's too real right there. <laughs> real or not real? The team has their quarterback or doesn't. Real okay. means they have the guy. Doesn't mean they don't. There's no squinting here. You either have the guy or you don't. Start with the Giants. Yeah, not real. Uh, sorry, who are we starting with? Chris, Giants. Okay. Not Chris. real. Not real. Listen, I love Daniel Jones. I root for the kid. But, you know, if you have to keep asking yourself the question of, is he the franchise quarterback? He's not. 50 total turnovers to 49. I mean, 50 total touchdowns to 49 total turnovers in three seasons. And he doesn't play in all the games in any of his first three seasons. Yeah, not real. They don't have their dude. You see, and I know he's different. And for anybody who wants to use a counterpoint, well, a lot of a lot of you know quarterbacks that don't have the protection up front, like they have the ability to make plays. Joe Burrow didn't have protection up front, and he made incredible plays. So I don't have any more excuses for Daniel Jones. Not real. Next. Chris, the other team you played for throughout most of your career, the Cowboys, Dak Prescott, the guy or not real or not real? He's real. I think he can win a championship with Dak Prescott, but the pieces around him have to be really good. When you start looking at Dak, the contract becomes complicated. 
because now you have to move on from some other guys that are really good players like Lyle Collins, like Amari Cooper in a salary cap crunch. I think you can win with Dak, but at a certain price. Real, I don't see Dak carrying a team, but I do see Dak having the ability to make critical plays down the stretch when you need him to. Uh, Real, because my litmus test is this, or my test is this. If I have this guy, am I looking for a quarterback? No. I mean, of course, do I want Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, but am I looking? No, I have my quarterback. It's real. The Eagles stay in the division. Jalen Hurts, is it real or not real? Not real. I don't think they have their quarterback yet. I I love what I've seen from Jalen Hurts, but I can't say definitively that he's the guy. And I think that this year they're going to give him an opportunity as his second full season as a starter. It's a show and prove year for Jalen Hurts. Remember, he's not a first-round draft pick. He's a second-round draft pick. So there's a short runway, and the Eagles are getting to that point where they're going to have to make a decision long-term one way or the other. Did the Eagles make the playoffs? They did. Yeah, I'm going to say it's real. I like Jalen Hurts. I think Jalen Hurts has upside. Are there some things he needs to work on after his first full start as a quarterback in the NFL? Yes, I think he can do it. Real. This is such a great question because it's real in a sense he is the quarterback now, and I think they can succeed with him, but he has not proven it yet. It's not set in stone yet, so I have to go not real until he proves it. This season will be his chance to prove it. He's got to read the middle of the field better he's got to see it better i was going to stay in the division but there's no chance you guys think carson wentz is real but really. on the hate I heard yeah, so we'll move on from that hater Ed. mitch trubisky steelers is he the guy real or not real chris not real he's not going to be their guy and i think the steelers are going to be in the market for a quarterback early in this draft i wouldn't be surprised if they actually move up from 20 so yeah mitch trubisky is a stopgap in the quarterback the contract that they gave him reflects their commitment level to him. Not real. I mean, when you see Mike Tomlin smiling from ear to ear with Malik Willis, you know what time it is. Not real in the sense, well, just what Chris said. It's not a long-term franchise quarterback, but he's the quarterback for now, and I think he could make the playoffs. Placeholder. I put this in here because we have not heard a lot about this team this offseason. I'm just curious what you guys think. The Bears, do they have the guy in Justin Fields? Is it real or not real? I think it's real. All, all I needed to see was that second half of that game against the Pittsburgh Steelers in primetime. He showed me a lot of things in that game that I think you can build off of. So it'll be interesting to see what their new head coach, Matt Eberflus, and that offensive staff does with him in terms of being able to get the most out of his talent. But the kid has got some things that you just can't teach. It's personal for me because I've had a connection with Justin for a while. Plus, he played at the Ohio State. So it's real. Real for me, I wanted the Giants to draft him even though they had Daniel Jones and Dan Orlovsky and Stephen A. Everyone told me I was nuts, but I think I was right then. I think I'm right now. I believe in Justin Fields' future. Finally. Someone has admitted what we're all thinking when it comes to the NFL. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio.